everyone, and welcome to Active Architecture, episode number five. This will be for the Dollhouse Season 1, episode five, episode True Believer. I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Jen Geffinger. And unfortunately, Jay wasn't able to join us tonight. Real life got in the way. Everybody has to work, so he's working hard here, but uh, that's okay. I think he picked a good time not to be able to join us because we do have a very strong co-host with us, a voice many of you may recognize. Certainly, welcome to the podcast, John Pavlich. Greetings and salutations, everyone. <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is, is that Jay isn't here because I killed him and ate him. <laughs> I, ate, I ate his brains to gain his knowledge. So. I'll miss you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes the plan to have excuses for him for the next seven episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, John, uh, many folks that listen to us will probably be very familiar with you, but not everyone will. So maybe you can let them know a little bit about uh, you and some of your podcasting ventures. Uh, well, we don't have um, all night, so I'll just just a couple. <laughs> yeah, Reader's uh, Digest. <clears throat> yes, uh, there is uh, my mainstay flagship podcast, which is Sofa Dogs, uh, which is actually uh, celebrating its sixth year anniversary. Uh, in a matter of weeks, uh, Sofa Dogs is an alternative uh, DVD commentary uh, podcast, uh, and occasionally I have uh, guests on for various things, you know, such as Dollhouse. Um, I'll have guests on occasion, like Kevin, for example, uh, and also uh, people like Tim Minear, just to throw that out there. Excuse me, oh, I seem to have dropped something. Hold on. There <laughs> I'm we go. just excited you could put Tim and myself in the same sentence. That's a win for me. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's like, I'm in it life. Thank you. As long as, as, long as the word murder didn't make it in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get Jay's fate. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, you've got some great stuff over there at Sofa Dogs. Like you said, the commentaries you've done for TV shows, movies, and you've done so many of them. I mean, that's some. Great listening stuff, folks. Even even you know, not not just counting the episodes I've joined John on. I, I always interesting stuff. Yeah, those are okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those pay the bills, as the saying goes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's not your only venture, is it, John? Uh, no, it's not. Not by a long shot. Uh, there's also uh, CastleCast.net, which is a weekly podcast about the ABC series Castle that I do with Heidi Jenkins. Uh, and that will be approaching its 100th episode um, fairly soon. Uh, we're trying to work it out so that the season four uh, finale will coincide with our 100th episode. Uh, so hopefully that will happen. And um, uh, the, and occasionally I do uh, guest spots on other podcasts, uh, such as the uh, Saturday B-Movie Reel with Kevin been in a couple of those <laughs> yeah we've had a lot of fun on some of those <laughs> oh cool all right well uh definitely encourage folks to check john's stuff out and and uh you know i know you had a hand uh crossing the streams a bit here and, and getting tim to join the folks at potential cast and redemption cast recently that was a lot of fun mm -hmm. yeah they just uh posted their uh q a spoiler tastic episode with tim uh which i've i've taken the liberty of posting that over on whedon-esque uh, because uh, they're in the previous episode where they talked about uh, the Angel episode, Hero. Uh, I posted that on Whedon-esque, and uh, it seems to have like choked their 
feed or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was fun and exciting. So maybe it'll maybe it'll happen again. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So it was it was great you were able to yeah. play a part in that. It's you know some great stuff and and certainly as as John mentioned and we'll get into some great discussion here about true believer in just a minute. But uh, but uh, John Sofa Dog's podcast for uh, True Believer does have Tim Minear. Mm-hmm. joining him for the commentary so i highly recommend folks that you check that one out yeah he he wrote the episode and so uh uh, uh actually i met him uh a long time ago at a uh can't stop the serenity uh event and uh i had initially asked him to do a, a bumper to record a bumper for my podcast uh and when he asked me what the podcast was and i told him he said oh yeah i've listened to your out of gas commentary you should have me on your show and uh, uh, we've been e-buddies ever since. And so he's, uh, you know, I figured, you know, Tim's such a great guy. Why should I be the only one having all the fun? And so I facilitated as best I could to get uh, Tim to uh, appear on Redemption Cast. So uh, that went well, and it looks like he's going to be coming back for that at some point. So look for that in the future. And, uh, yeah, so we, we did a commentary for True Believer a long time ago. And, um we recently, uh, I say recently, it was actually a while back as well, uh, we did a commentary for Omega, and uh, probably soon, I guess as soon as I can get a, a Blu-ray drive into this computer, then we'll uh, sit down and do a commentary for Bell Chose. But in terms of this podcast, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh, another example of how much fun it is to, to have... Uh, fandom and, and different podcasts that give us such a rich uh, experience talking about these different episodes. So that's why I figured this is, this is an excellent episode to have you on. You kind of can uh, not only share your thoughts, but having talked to Tim too, I think that'll make for some interesting stuff here. That's the plan, yes. Yes, yes, the master plan. Like we actually think ahead by at least five minutes, so it's yeah. quite encouraging. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> with this kind of stuff, yeah. So on that note, so True Believer, where do we want to start? Who wants to start off? General impressions or thoughts, Jen? I have to say, going back watching it this time, it was I liked it. I think a lot more the first time. But I, what the big thing I did notice this time that I maybe missed the first time around, or maybe missed it, didn't, don't recall getting it quite as much. I can talk really. Um, was uh, the the heavy parallels at the beginning with um, you know with the with the cult and then the parallel you know, the. the <laughs> Sir Jay, I am so sorry. <laughs> let me let me circle around and try that one again. <laughs> um, the heavy parallels that we saw at the beginning with uh, you know the, the cult's garden and then the dollhouse's garden at the end, keeping it pure and and all that. It, it just kind of struck me, I think, a little harder this time. So I, I did like that out of it, but no doubt Eliza really was amazing um, in the episode. It just I wasn't as big a fan of the episode as I recalled being, and I think. A big part of that may be just knowing Man on the Street's next. <laughs> well, it's yeah, a, it's a, it, go it, ahead, it, John. Well, it's interesting because all that stuff you mentioned uh, went completely over my head the first time I saw it. I didn't even, I didn't even pick up on any of that. So, in talking to Tim, he, you know, explained all of this stuff that was going on that I didn't, I hadn't even noticed. But now that he, you know, brought it up, like I just totally, it, it's really great to see how these two 
sort of storylines uh, uh, intersect and comment on each other. Um, you, you know, there's a there's a, a scene where um, uh, Boyd is uh, uh, talking to, uh, or I believe it's actually Adele is talking to the senator, and they're talking about you know uh, this this cult that they'll be infiltrating, and and they keep sort of you know kind of dancing around the fact that that it's like oh she's you know she didn't she didn't escape from a cult she's you know she's good at infiltrating this one but in a way the dollhouse itself is its own sort of cult you're you know you're sort of confined there and they have things sort of structured and ordered in a certain way and it's there to facilitate a certain need and it's just really kind of creepy when you look at it from that uh you know from that perspective yeah and so I mean, all of that stuff was was great to sort of like discover and 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 figure out and and I had even though I hadn't seen you know, I hadn't seen all of those things the first time I watched the episode. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I think I actually like this episode more than Tim does, because uh, <laughs> he, he he sort of views it as a you know it's a it's a it's a workman kind of thing. It, it serves a purpose. It's the cult episode, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I but I look at it and I was like, yeah, but but it's a hell of a cult episode. Like it's just it's really solid. And the, my favorite thing about it. In addition to, I, I agree with you, Jen. Like, I I think it's it's a great performance by Eliza, possibly the best thing she's ever done, in my opinion, because it is so subdued and subtle, and she and Eliza is not falling back on her sort of personal swagger that she tends to bring to a lot of what she does, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's not a criticism; it's just an observation. But I would I think that that Esther is a really unique uh, and grounded character very cautious um and i think eliza just plays it beautifully there's a particular cadence to her speech in this episode that that is really unique um and just speaking as someone who is declared by the state as legally blind um i've had some experience through the texas commission for the blind uh with you know people like that uh, because of course echo is playing a a blind woman and it's just it's it's across the board it's done really really well and it's and it's nothing rang false to me but uh, the best thing i like about this episode is that this is the first time in dollhouse where i felt an active was like justified in in given a particular engagement like something that was like important where you could look at it and go yeah, you would need an active for this. Yeah, exactly. That's actually my first note I, uh, I put in here for myself was that this is the first engagement that actually makes sense to me. That's mm-hmm. uh, not just a stretch for the sake of a TV uh, plot that this actually, you know, if this was technology that existed, this would be the perfect way to use it. Uh, and like you said, I, I think, and, and we've got some great notes in the, the Facebook group. We'll talk a little bit about about that at the end when we do some feedback but the same things the folks were mentioning was was some of the the parallels that you folks uh brought up which again not seeing them early you know first maybe even your second viewing for me but part of the richness of this the whole concept here of a retrospective podcast is that's when i start seeing some of these things with the oh that's you know why didn't i see that or that's kind of cool and and as a lot of folks mentioned 
and have, and I completely agree. Eliza's performance here is really what I gravitated towards noticing most of this time around. I mean, she is doing this really, really well. Um, someone was asking in the Facebook group, I don't know if you know John or read anything, asking if Eliza might have had some special uh, coach or training uh, specifically to really uh, do this role because it, it seemed very natural. As you said, it's not her... Uh, it's not taffy. It's not a boisterous uh, person that Eliza's uh, known for doing and does very well. This is a much more subtle role, and obviously, uh, playing someone who who can't see is a is a different thing for an actor to do. And she really did it well. Yeah, uh, Tim uh, in the commentary uh, he talked about how because I had asked the same thing um, because Eliza's performance is so sort of nuanced, and she's doing so much with so little. Um, you know, less is more in this instance. Uh, Tim said that that they did actually have a blind woman on the set uh, consulting, and uh, specifically, there's a, a scene where uh, Boyd is giving her a lift to the compound. Uh, she's hitchhiking, and and he's he's driving her to the compound, and uh, she cracks a joke. And uh, he smiles, and uh, I believe Tim said that in, originally in the script it was something like you know, you know, like I hope, you know, I hope you're smiling or something like that. And uh, the the consultant told them actually she wouldn't say that. Uh, uh, so they they changed the line to, "Did I hear a smile?" And so it's little things like that that that. They were able that uh, they were able to bring someone in to uh, to be as accurate as possible in in representing this kind of character. And yeah, yeah, you can see how that added a lot of authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. I, that was one, actually one of my favorite lines when when she makes the comment, "Did I hear you smile?" Because that is one of those things that you're not necessarily always used to realizing that you do hear, but in that sequence, it really worked so well. Um, and it did, again, lend that additional authenticity. And I just I remember being just kind of just how striking it was at how even that early into the episode and the first time we're really seeing her blind um, act blind. It, it was it was just striking. I mean, I, I don't know how else to keep, say that is it. I, I think, John, the way you put it, I really liked how you uh, said Eliza's personal swagger. It does tend to come through, um, and, but the, I mean that's her. That that's that's yeah. what she brings to roles. I'm not saying that in a bad way in any in any way, but it was very interesting to see that, you know, almost leashed a little bit this episode and mm-hmm. uh, very very stripped down, and where she's not she's not um, she's sort of sort of operating without a net in in a way. Yeah, and doing it very well. Again, mm-hmm. that's that's certainly what. Of all my notes, that's the thing that was most striking, and certainly this uh, particular watch for me is just how well uh, she's playing this particular role here. And again, uh, we have you know the, the benefit of time uh, of the entire series to step back and realize she's going to be playing so many different, I mean, parts. And literally, just an episode back with Taffy. I mean, that that's something that I think is underappreciated is her ability to to move in and out of these different uh, personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so, I mean, for me, sometimes, excuse me, I'm having a milkshake. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> uh, sometimes it, you know, sometimes it works, uh, and and sometimes, you know, not so much. Sometimes, or a bit more rocky, or or I, 
I look at certain active uh, engagements that she's doing, and uh, I'm like, okay, why I don't I don't 100% buy this. Um, but I think that the fact that at no point do I ever feel like she just completely falls on her ass, I think should account for something. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, may- maybe it's not 100% successful every time, but the fact that it, that it's, it's never just awful, I think, I think says a lot. Oh, well, especially since she's care. I mean, she's essentially carrying the show. This, that was the whole notion behind the idea of the show was, right. was letting Eliza Dushku kind of go play in the sandbox and be, you know, be a little bit of everything. And, um, yeah, it, I think it's a very big credit to her. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that uh, one of the Facebook uh, folks mentioned, I think it was uh, uh, Angie brought up, uh, and you mentioned, no, touched on it a little bit, uh, John, was the idea, okay, we've got the quote-unquote cult episode, but uh, our, our cult leader here, uh, what, was, what are his motivations? I mean, what, what's going on? What do we think was going on with him? I mean, well, I, yeah, um, and... I, and... Tim and I actually talked about this because I because I had the same question um, because I I mistakenly thought like does he resent Esther because she has had a vision or she's experienced a miracle and he has not um, you know is he is is his faith being tested um, and he talked about it more in terms of it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy in that. Jonas Sparrow just kind of wants to do his own thing. As far as we know, he's not really up to any good. You know, he, he's just, he's, but it's just, it's frowned upon by, you know, you know, the government or whoever kind of looks, it's like, you kind of got your own thing going on and we don't like that. So we're going to investigate it. And whether or not they find something like, you know, in, incriminating, uh, I mean, you know, their whole thing is, the ATF guy uh, who 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 plants everything and sets everything in motion, um, uh, played by Mark Mark Toddy, I believe is his name, and he was actually he was in uh, Drive, uh, which was a Tim Minear show, and uh, he he says that you know well the guy has we're the ATF and the guy has guns, and it's like <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah but he has guns because you're gonna advance on him and and disrupt things that he has built and worked for like he just wants to like he doesn't seem to want to use the guns to like you know we're gonna overthrow the government and 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 everything he just kind of wants his own little piece of land to bring in people and kind of be off grid and and you know do their own thing um and uh we sort of as a country uh tend to frown on that uh, you know, we'd say like, no, we're the government. We should be able to keep tabs on you and tell you where to go and, and how to, you know, operate within society. Um, and so really his only crime is, okay, you have all these guns. You're, it's against the law. You're not supposed to, but we've never actually seen him do anything, uh, that could constitute as being a danger to himself or others until he is pushed to, set the compound on fire because he thinks that that will uh, instigate another miracle. But it was only brought on because of, you know, the ATF guys. 
trying to trying to take this away from him that he is he has built for himself in his community. So he's and, a very interesting character then in that he's kind of he's not he's not 100 percent, you know, bad. He's just maybe a little misguided. Yeah, and, and that was one of those things that I've, I've thought about a couple of times with this episode is because there is no real you don't get a real sense that he's necessary. You know, I mean, he's not a Jim Jones. He's not, a you know, mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand, I don't necessarily see him as a, quote, true believer either. More so, um, you know, kind of, I mean, I, I agree with what you were saying, John, in that he, he, you know, he wants to be on the on his own, have his own little piece of land and, you know, be a, play, a, a place for these people to come. Um, but I also kind of, feel to to put it in in river tam terms he he really wants to be the the sad little king of a sad little hill i think he's yeah. enough of an egomaniac that he needs he he needs that uh needs the followers and he needs to be that leader um and he'll do it whatever way it works best for this right, group, because it was someone yeah. like that could be potentially dangerous you're right and i think it it becomes a question of sincerity mm-hmm. you know it's like how much is is he operating under these religious convictions in order to facilitate, you know, being the sad little king of a sad little hill, or does he a hundred percent believe in in what he's doing for for the greater good of of his people? You know, it's like how much of it how much of it is he's in it for these people that he really cares about versus he just wants to be the king of these people. Right, and it makes it an, an additional interesting parallel with him and Adele. Right, because has has he been corrupted? You know. Right. And and yeah. I think you're right. It it really does it really does comment on you know Adele again going back to what we were talking about before about you know the really nice thing about this episode is the way you have this compound and the dollhouse sort of being parallels, but also mirroring each other and commenting on each other in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Now, I I think my gut instinct for me, and, and like I said, we could go round and round, which I think is a, an excellent job of showing how well the writing was for this episode, even if it's just the cult episode, because you're right. He is not seen, from what we see, we can't easily label him black, white, or where he is in the middle. It's It's the ATF guy who's corrupted and kind of pushing things here. So there is always that... Uh, bit of doubt, certainly in the back of my mind, was Jonas a true believer? Was Had he finally, quote, seen the light? Certainly his, his past taught him that he needed to, quote, uh, uh, prepare, i.e. all the guns. I mean, uh, it's not just a couple of shotguns down there. Let's, let's not make believe like he was just a uh, using his basic rights of defending himself. I mean, right. it was probably no, he, way too much. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, is, it is definitely... Um, People that you hear about that are that are such strong uh, proponents of the Second Amendment, where they tend to take it a little, not to get too political, but I'll go ahead and say it, crazy. <laughs> um, uh, you know, where you have people that that seem to believe that it's like, oh no, I I I I need this large AK forty seven with uh hot you know hollow point uh, armor piercing rounds um, because. You know who, who watches, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or right, or or you know who watches the Watchmen, who polices the police. You know, I don't want them coming in and telling me 
what I can and can't do, I may have to defend myself. And it's like, I'm honestly, I really don't think you need to worry about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you want to have a gun to, like, protect your family, a gun, fine, sure. It is your right as, a, as an American, you know, and a man to do so if you so choose. But do you really need a, a, a bomb shelter full of, of right. weapons <laughs> that's, like, bigger than, than what the police precinct has? You know. Yeah. That's why I, I think my gut instinct tells me that uh, uh, he may have sa- started this up as a front for his uh, eventual uh, crime or, or uh, possible going in that direction, but maybe... Uh, through the goodness of all these people, he did kind of maybe have an opportunity to be going there. But, you know, this is where the corruption of the uh, ATF agent kind of pushed him there. So right. while, I wouldn't cons- I, while I wouldn't consider him uh, a white hat, I wouldn't think he's quite as bad as I think uh, many folks are going to see him to be. Which, again, is another example of, of uh, the fun of Dollhouse because you can see this many different ways. Right. Very I mean, that's, I mean that, is, that is the mission statement. That's what it's all about is having these conversations about – you know, everybody has a different different opinion of, of right and wrong, and everybody has a different place where that line is drawn. And you know, do, you know, does the the uh, the end justify the means? Do the means justify the end? You know, all of that stuff comes into play. And I think it's it's very uh, centralized, very beautifully in this episode, particularly. Yeah, and and it's funny. A lot of folks, and and I'm sure there's several of you out there who are listening. Um, are thinking, okay, yeah, this is entertaining, but Man on the Street is next. Let's get the Man on the Street. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's part of what happens with a series in a retrospective uh, way. You you know when there were some watershed moments and some great episodes. And sometimes the episodes just before them, at least in my mind, tend to get underappreciated because people often do rewatches or discussions. You just kind of want to jump, you know, to the juicy part of the story. So I, I think on a rewatch, this one has certainly got a lot going for it that really makes you appreciate that from a from a parallels point of view and from a discussion, a performance. Uh, and we, you know, whatever we are, 25, 30 minutes into our discussion, um, haven't even touched on a lot of what's going on back at the dollhouse with, with uh, Topher and Victor and... Man reactions! Uh, <laughs> everything else. So <laughs> uh, there's, there's lots of stuff that... Uh, Talk about watershed moments. Yes, the entire Topher thing with with uh, what's going on with Victor and uh, Doctor Saunders and the totally discomfort that Topher is having trying to bring up these <laughs> topics is just classic. Or uh, or going along with the par- parallels again, uh, Tim actually uh, uh, likened it to um, this. The, this is the Dollhouse's version of of uh, uh, you know Adam and Eve's garden, and there's a snake in the garden. You know, that whole thing, and it's just, it's, uh, it cracks me up. <laughs> Speaking oh, of which, the whole, uh, if it were a snake, it would have bit me. Forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, watching Topher's discomfort at trying to broach the subject is just priceless, I'm, I've got to say. There's, it's, there's, there, there's oak. It's, it's not quite <laughs> wood. <laughs> exactly. I do we have to love that we get to see. Because, you know, before it's kind of been played at, but here we actually get to see Topher and uh, Dr. Saunders interacting and can even kind of feel, and maybe it's because we're in a retrospective and we kind of know where it's going, but I really did get the sense of just discomfort between those two, or at least from her, you know, where she's just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw myself into the research here and 
not have to deal with him. But she's even a little condescending with him a, a bit, which I think is fun to see her kind of get to come out a little more and be like, Ugh, it's an erection. Okay, fine. Man reaction. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true in terms of how we're getting set up to take it. Um, uh, I, I love too the way Topher kind of, you know, when she talks about her concern, because what dovetails into this a bit is, uh, and we're seeing the very early part of it here, the whole Miss Lonely Hearts engagements. Yes. That obviously first watched through, or at least I say obviously for me, I mean, talk about a throwaway line, uh, that meant nothing. And obviously it means a lot more. Um, because I think at this point he mentioned that uh, that they'd already been, what did he say, eight? Seven or eight, yeah. 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 So uh, that's certainly going to tie into some fun stuff a little later on. Yeah, and it and it sort of and it plants the seeds for, you know, like with what's going on with Echo, the idea of like, okay, if you if you have them, though you're wiping them, if you have them go through the these events repeatedly, it's just residual muscle memory, brainy stuff. Like they're just they're gonna re- remember things. It's gonna have an effect on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's subliminal messaging. It's, it's, it's conditioning. It's just, you know, all part of that stuff that we, that, that is already a thing today where, you know, like, like it's just, you, you know, like people who, for example, uh, who, uh, get senility in old age or get, you know, God forbid Alzheimer's and yet, they still, because they, for so many years, they, this was their life and they did this as a routine. It's like, you've got a guy like waiting at the bus stop for the bus to go to work. But like, you know, people are trying to tell him you you haven't had that job for 20 years, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, you don't work there anymore. But yet, you know, he did that job for 30 years. And so this is part of his routine. So he doesn't know not to do that. Because it's still in his brain. Yes, and yeah. that's again where we're, we're seeing the pieces of learning about the whole concept of wipe, quote a clean wipe, uh, and, and this is it here. Is this is this echo glitching, as the phrase they like to say, or is this really showing the fact that the dollhouse concept really can't work in that sense, or at least that you have to factor in that you're going to have some of this. This is showing Doctor Saunders a bit to be a bit of a prophet in terms of realizing that. Uh, there's a much higher risk of issues by having these repetitive uh, engagements. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for her, nobody reads those reports. Yes. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you put it in one of those files? Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> nobody reads <laughs> those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, another thing we I think we should touch on too quite a bit uh, – Sprinkled here, certainly the be, excuse me, near the beginning and the end, is how much we've got Dominic, you know, quote unquote, out to get Echo. You know, talking early on about he still doesn't trust her, you know, put her in the attic, and then what he ends up doing out there, which I want to talk on a, a little bit about that. Um, what, what did you guys think of that whole him showing up on scene and then literally, you know, knocking her out in the middle of the fire to leave her there? Right. It was one of those things that, um, you know, I mean, you obviously got his uh, disdain for her, at, you know, at the end of the target. And um, as it went on, you, you, you definitely got the idea behind that, that he, you know, 
he's concerned because she's heading in the same direction Alpha was. Um, and I remember the first time watching this through, you see somebody coming in the gear and they're like, all right, Boyd's coming in to get, whoa. And he hit her in the face. Oh my gosh. And it was that whole, wow, he really doesn't like her, but Mm -hmm. he does, he's doing his job. He's absolutely doing his job because he absolutely believes she's a threat, even though Adele won't admit it. And so in hindsight, watching this the second time around, I really do have a little more respect for him because, well, of course, you know, he's going after our echo. He's absolutely doing, believes that what he's doing is right. Mm -hmm. Which again, ties back into the whole Jonas Sparrow thing. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. do the, do the, you know, does the end justify the means and all of that? And it just, you know, where do you draw the line? It's like, it's like in terms of what, what you're doing and, and, and if it's right or not, if it is for the greater good. And I mean, you know, he was right. He, he wanted Echo to die. Like he left her there to burn. And, you know, you also think about, you know, he, he says, you know, it's not that I, he says to Adele, it's not that I don't like her. I'm concerned that you do like her a bit too much, basically. And he's not wrong. And, you know, that's, she doesn't say anything because she knows that he's, he's got her there, but (laughs) also like, okay, she didn't die. And even if he had succeeded in killing Echo, there still would have been consequences of that that he would have had to deal with because, you know, Echo was an important asset to the dollhouse and she was, uh, uh, like a number one doll and yes, Adele liked Echo. So, and also, you know, again, it's like, Never mind what your opinions on Echo are, this, you know that's still a person in there that signed their their life and body over to the dollhouse, and the dollhouse is under a contract to eventually, after five years, whatever it is, return this body intact, and to fail to do that could also jeopardize the dollhouse and the continuation of what they're doing there. So you, you, you factor that in and it's like, well, who's to say what, what Dominic is doing is, is, is right when you think about that as well. But uh, to tie into that whole Adele thing, one thing I do remember from early times watching this episode that I really got a nice kick out of was when he's having that discussion with Adele near the end. Uh, I like when she very quickly turns on him uh, and she's getting into the elevator uh, when he started to kind of push the whole topic and the alpha and putting her in the attic when she basically just tells him, you know, don't gamble on what I'm uh, on what I'd be willing to do. <laughs> you you could take the stairs and it just closes it in, her, in his face. Yeah. So yeah. she's starting, she's very much showing. Yeah. Your job is to, you know, be concerned about the security around here, but she's certainly, at least to me, starting to show a real affection for echo. Yeah. And also she, I think she views it as he went over her head as well. Like, yes, yeah. you, 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 your job is, is, concerned with the security of the dollhouse but at the end of the day i'm the boss i make the calls you should have come to me first mm-hmm. very true very true now again on a retrospective do you either of you think uh as we come to find out later you know dominic's the spy um do you think the fact 
that he's watching, uh, shall we say, the growth of Echo, the ability of Echo to retain information and think, thinking that might in some way uh, work against him? Is that part of the reason why he's totally out to get her? I, it should I, be possible to blow his cover much easier than other dolls? I, I, I think it's very possible. Um, mm -hmm. I never... At the end of the day, never got a complete answer on a lot of this stuff because I I did bring it up to Tim at the time, and he just said, "Well, Dominic is very complicated. He's a very, very complicated man." And I was like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> Writer's prerogative. Writer's <laughs> Not prerogative. Yep. To 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 paraphrase uh, a to apply a one of my favorite uh, exchanges in uh, an episode of Angel: Are you now or have you ever been? Which was written by Tim. You know, that, that's not an answer. Well, then I guess you don't get one. Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> move on to a new topic, shall we? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, I, I honestly hadn't really, I hadn't really considered if, if that's what he was, his real motivations behind that. Because um, honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about a lot of that. <laughs> so, that was one of those, oh, yeah! <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the fun, certainly in a retrospective, when you start thinking a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, myself, I don't think that's why he was out to get Echo. I don't think that you know made him do it. But I think maybe, since obviously he was trying to keep himself very well uh, hidden there, I, I think that drove part of it because he had to think if there's if there's one person in here, one active in here that could you know trip me up, mm -hmm. it's going to be her. So that's another reason that if she's in any way uh, outside the norm. That's it. I want her gone, however possible. Well, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I also uh, just real quickly got a real kick out of one line, not, not just one line, but one that certainly stuck with me a bit because uh, we talked about it, uh, you know, this particular role for Eliza and how, how uh, laid back it had to be and, and the approach. But after, you know, once the, uh, the siege has started and, and uh, she's had the miracle of getting her sight back and, and dealing with everybody when the fire starts trying to get him out. When she says, uh, I forget who it was to, was, was uh, you know, talking about the whole faith idea and that should we even be leaving if this is God's will and so forth. And she ends up saying, God's message is move your ass. <laughs> 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 that was the old Eliza I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, very well delivered and, and very to the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else we wanted to cover before we touch on some feedback that we missed? Nothing here. I can't, no? I can't think of anything. I'm sure I'm sure more will come up as we get into the to feedback. Okay. Yeah, we appreciate it. Now, uh, for those of you who might be new to the podcast, again, welcome. We're, you know, numbers are certainly increasing, which we greatly appreciate. We've got a, uh, a Facebook group. Uh, that you encourage to come by and just uh, uh, search for us on uh, Facebook, or I think the link's on our website as well. And I we'll joined it just the other day. That's good. I was about to say, and John's there now too, so he can reply. Um, now you have a reason to go check it out. No. <laughs> All the John groupies can follow him there too. Um, yeah, it's the group itself is entitled Active Architecture, a Dollhouse Retrospective Podcast. Um, but if you contact any of us, and we'll do some contact info at the end of the podcast too, uh, you're welcome to join in. But we do try to put up a post there, you know, shortly before we're going to record. If you folks have any thoughts to share, so we can cover them or, or uh, see where we're going. So, a couple of great uh, 
comments I just want to touch on and, and get some thoughts on before we uh, uh, close things out. And, and thanks to everybody who did come by and do that. Uh, uh, specifically, uh, Chris was mentioning how much Esther's faith is really admirable, uh, you know, meaning the whole idea of really having someone that uh, it seems to be so pure and innocent in the way it's approached in a show like Dollhouse, where we see so much uh, of the fringes of things, was really quite a, a fresh look at it. So that that was an interesting point too. There, I think we kind of touched on that a bit. Mm-hmm. No, um, agreed, agreed. It's I like how he he uh, Chris noted on here. I, I wish I could have that programmed into me some days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. I mean, Tammy brought up some points which actually we just we talked about very well, which is another example of some folks seeing the same things. The whole parallels of the stories. Uh, and how they, they dovetail together between, quote, the dollhouse and uh, the quote-unquote cult and the people who are, are, are seem to be corrupting it. And as we're going to learn from the dollhouse design, how, how some of those folks have, have crossed the line and gone forth. So that's uh, some very interesting stuff there, too. Um, and again, it really enjoying uh, uh, Echo's extra focus on Mr. Dominic very much at the end there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, give him the evil eye just goes to show some fun stuff we're going to see coming forward. Very, very true. Uh, and the only other thing really to, to touch on real quick, uh, Sam brought up a good point uh, and, and asking me a little bit about how uh, he's heard me in the past on some other podcasts and, and forums. Uh, when I when I describe Dollhouse, I, if I'm looking for a quick soundbite, I call it flawed brilliance and what I mean by that. Now, I don't have this big master plan, folks, that's going to play out over 27 episodes of the podcast explaining it per <laughs> se. <laughs> um, and, and we'll I'll probably touch on that a little further down the line once we get some more meaty stuff in, Sam, but just not to uh, sidestep your question. I, I think what I when I say that, oftentimes it's to get some folks who have overlooked Dollhouse, or I tend to be in the spots when folks sometimes are uh, kind of saying, well, it's not Buffy, it's not Firefly, like somehow it's the you know, red-headed stepchild of the Whedon universe. Right, right. Um, just that there is some incredibly brilliant things in here, but we all know from, you know, part of it being the Fox treatment of the show, that there's certainly some clunky things. So I can never say that it's a brilliant show and leave it at that. It isn't, but there is some brilliant stuff and we're going to start to see that play out certainly as we get later in season one. And as John alluded to, too, some of the stuff into season two, some of the things, especially that Tim did, uh, that are just absolutely to me, some of the best stuff in the Whedon verse. So, uh, we'll talk about it a little more. I'm not avoiding it. And it's not like I have one magic moment that articulates that, but to me, it is very much, uh, what you have in this show is, is lots of brilliant performances, stories, uh, ideas, thought-provoking things, but let's face it, we still have several episodes that, you know, are going to make us cringe. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was interested to hear your response to that. I saw that uh, th- this evening before we were getting ready to record. and Yeah, I, I can completely agree with you on that. It, it is kind of that gateway to get the people that, you know, aren't willing to give it a shot because it's not Buffy or Angel or Firefly. Um you know, to help try and point out that there are moments that make this series m- more thought-provoking and and grown up than than the others. Yeah, I I would agree with that as well. And I and I think I think for me because I mean at the end of the day, uh, I mean if I had to rank these, um, you know if that if that mattered, uh, you know then then I would put Dollhouse uh, at the bottom. But it's really only because 
Dollhouse was just sort of, you know, there there is a lot. There are moments in Dollhouse that I love, and the, and there's a lot I like about Dollhouse. You know, overall in general, I like the show. Um, I don't love the show, um, but you know that that is just there are some things that either you know they weren't able to fully explore uh, because they were on network television and they just the way things were they just couldn't um, they weren't on cable uh, so they you know were kind of they they were had to operate uh, in a net um, and then you know there were also things that I that they did that I just you know flat out disagreed with. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, their narrative and where they decided to go with it. So, no, I mean, it's not uh, just sort of perfect. And so when people sort of say, like, oh, well, it's not Buffy or it's not Angel, you know, I often point out, well, you got to remember those shows, you know, also have their own moments of, like, really? Is that the best site you want to you wanna go there? That's – I really don't <laughs> yeah. – I, I don't think you pulled that off, and that's you – know, <laughs> So, so I mean, it's all, it's all, you know, I, I think people tend to lose perspective sometimes, and they recall these things with rose-colored glasses. Um, but you know, they all have their ups and downs. Um, you know, the other thing about Dollhouse to take note of is that Dollhouse, we only got, you know, was it twenty-six episodes? Mm-hmm. Twenty-seven mm-hmm. if you count the the original pilot. Um, yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Take a look at Buffy and Angel and 26 or 27 episodes of that. And it, right. you know, think about think about season two of Buffy. And it wasn't until, you know, around that time when Buffy really kind of blew the doors off of what it was capable of, where people sat up and took notice and was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. So you know, but that that first season is pretty is pretty rough, and and you know, has humble beginnings. We'll say, um, you know, Angel deals with a lot of similar things and and situations. So, really, I mean, it's unfortunate that Dollhouse. You you know, when you get to episodes like The Attic, you really start to see like you know, or or Belonging, for example, you really start to see like, okay, they're they're really this could this could be something special but we are working in the business of network television and you know if the ratings aren't there the ratings aren't there and it's just it's and it's it's gotta you know unfortunately it's just it's gotta go um so you know i don't i don't i'm not one of those people that's sort of like angry at the network oh they canceled they cancel good things all the time and they never give anything a chance you know there's all kinds of complicated ins and outs in this in this business and at the end of the day it is a business um, you know, it's, it, it is art versus commerce. You know, it is a, it is a continuing struggle. You know, sometimes they merge together beautifully and sometimes not so much. Uh, and Dollhouse is a very, uh, complicated and dark, uh, uh, and heavy show. And, and it's, it can be difficult to find, uh, balance in that to appeal to, a mass audience or a mass enough audience to justify it being on the air and produced week in and week out. Yeah. I mean, this, we, we could make this a, an entire podcast series of uh, comparing the Whedon shows and, and even the, the redheaded stepchild of that family is better than many other families that are out there. So <laughs> Jersey sure. Shore. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not trying to 
I'm what not was that? To do that. Was that? Was that? A, was that a sneezer? I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm not trying to so much do that or compare, even compare Buffy and or Angel to either each other or to Dollhouse. Uh, the the quicker summary to me oftentimes is. I might have more of an emotional attachment to Buffy or Angel or Firefly than I might to Dollhouse, but I know that in my case, I do love them all differently, and Dollhouse certainly yeah. has made me think about yeah. myself Doll, Dollhouse, Dollhouse, more. Dollhouse, at its very nature and definition, Dollhouse is more cerebral. I mean, that's what they were going for. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make a very cerebral show, and I think they did that. And unfortunately, that's going to... Um, turn some people off um either either people who who just aren't as cerebral and and they like their entertainment a bit more sort of uh emotional let's say uh and sensational i guess um and that's not necessarily a bad thing although those things have their place uh, and have just as much a right to exist and you can find value in as anything else uh but but yes dollhouse is a very sort of heavy dark brainy show that deals with a lot of serious issues that you know, are, are have their own value that can be open to really fun discussions like we're doing here. So, yeah, and, and the wonderful thing is that depending upon your mood, we have all those shows and we can pick whichever one we want to go back to. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is more than one. All right. Well, like I said, Sam, we haven't I haven't forgot that thought. I'll probably expand some more and look forward to some of your feedback. So, uh, as we said, folks, we'd love for you to come by the Facebook group if you want to get involved. Uh, there very much. Uh, I've also got the traditional uh, email address. If you want to share some thoughts, we'll bring those up on the show. Uh, that's at activearchitecture at gmail.com. Any thoughts if you want to. Also on Twitter, you can follow us. Our Twitter uh, handle is Dolls Active. Uh, throw some thoughts at us. Uh, we do put out the tweets to let you know there when we've released episodes and so forth. So whatever method is good for you, please feel free to, to get involved or, or just listen in. We try to make it fun for you that way as well so i think i think sam what kevin is saying here is let's put a pin in that <laughs> yes yes i'm going to tease you a bit there and say there will be more but uh make sure to keep me on track because uh i do have some more thoughts there and, and some of them are more applicable once we've hit some of those other uh watershed moments but uh before we go i do want to thank john again for sitting down with us it was a lot of fun having you on john thank you oh i was i was okay. happy to do it this was a lot of fun uh, certainly, it's it's uh, it's been a while since I I've sat down and talked to Dollhouse uh, with some folks, and also haven't talked to Jen in forever. So I know it's just I a lot, fell off the grid. I do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking forward to having John back on the podcast too. We've got some other episodes he's so interested in being on. So mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to that. Lots of other good folks too. So appreciate you all listening in. Thanks to Jen too. And and uh, you know if we're able to uh, resurrect Jay for next time, we'll. <laughs> We'll have them on for that uh, some episode called "Man on the Street." I've I've heard yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll break out my book of spells and see what I can. Do. <laughs> Are we gonna have a zombie day? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go totally off the rails, I think we'll stick a fork in this one and consider it done. But we appreciate you all listening, and uh, hope you all take care. Good night. Bye, everybody. Thank you.